here we are again, another Locked On NFL. I am Brian Peacock, your co-host alongside the scout, Matt Williamson. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Matt is at Williamson NFL. We're going to get into some news around the league today, and then we're going to start a new feature where we break down by division uh, some players that, and it goes along with an article that Matt wrote for the USA Today Network at Touchdown Wire, talking about uh, the candidates for MVP for all 32 teams, some longer shots than others, obviously. So for each team in the league, we'll go through the entire NFL uh, and we'll get Matt's pick for who that MVP candidate is, dark horse or not. And then we'll pick a breakout player, a rookie that we like, or maybe a young second year player that we like to be a breakout candidate this year around the NFL. So that's what we're going to get into on today's show. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review. Uh, We are everywhere that you can find podcasts and let's get this rolling matt how you doing today i am fantastic i am back in my dorm room here in latrobe pa i'm only doing one night here and then i'll go home and then uh, there's a day off and then the steelers preseason game opens on friday so we're gonna get some action here i mean pretty soon we're gonna see some some everyone in the preseason doing their thing yeah, we've got some big action happening. It's upon us. Football is happening. Every team is going to be uh, in action this weekend, and it's going to be a lot of fun starting on Thursday through Saturday. We've got those preseason games going. And, of course, HBO's Hard Knocks debuting Tuesday night. This is a Wednesday morning podcast, but neither one of us have gotten a chance to watch that yet. It is not quite aired when we recorded this. But it's a, it's a nice tie-in because we're going to start with the AFC and NFC West today with our MVP picks and our uh, young first or second year breakout players. Uh, we could d- dip into third year players too if we want to, but just our young out, young uh, breakout players that we like on each team around the NFL. And we'll start with the AFC West here in a bit, but some news out of Raiders camp already. And I wonder if this has got to make the hard knocks eventually. It's not going to be in the intro episode, but <laughs> a source told NBC's Chris Sims that Antonio Brown is dealing with frostbitten feet after entering a cryotherapy machine without proper footwear that's an (laughs) all-timer i don't doubt it i mean this guy's feet has been on nfl network and espn and i'm sure on instagram and facebook live and everything else and didn't show up to camp because of them and uh, uh, we've been making the joke here that when the raiders were named the hard knocks group or as, you know, as the team for hard knocks that we're almost certain after being around Antonio for the last couple of years that he's going to hire a camera crew to follow the camera. Crew. I mean, like, <laughs> it's just who this guy I is. I mean, everything's on Instagram. I mean, I had a buddy that did a radio show with them and Antonio brought a camera crew with him there so he could put it out on social media. Oh, wow. So It's amazing. I mean, he's got a screw loose and I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all that he wouldn't follow directions or just ignored them completely or whatever and went to do the freeze without paying attention or just didn't think about it. The guy's always in the news. And on on a, a different – I forget where I said it because it, it wasn't between you and I, but all I want to hear is nothing about this guy but football, and we hear everything but the – I mean, everything but that. Yeah. No, that's oh man, that's I, I can't ever remember anything. And, and what's funny is it's 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 hilarious to an extent, but it's actually could be something very serious. I mean, people lose their toes because of right. severe frostbite, so this could be something that actually affects him on the field and affects the Raiders. And so um, I'm going to be interested to see how this is displayed on Hard Knocks. It's something they're definitely have to touch on if their star receiver 
is out for an extended period period of time, but the team is still collecting information there. That's just an, an odd one. The, there's some more news around the league. Here's one that I found interesting because I know you like Jameis Winston as a, a late-round quarterback for your fantasy teams, and in Bruce Arians' offense, you're thinking they're just going to chuck it all over, and they're talking about Jameis Winston being focused on checking down the ball more this season. I like hearing that. I mean, we'll see if it happens. I like hearing it. It's a good way to reel him in, still throw the ball around because they're not a very good running team. Um, It's interesting because he's always one of the guys that has a very high degree of difficulty of throws, but he's a much better intermediate passer than he is deep passer. When you look at the metrics and, you you know, pro football focus and these people that, that chart those things, but so maybe, you know, you can reel him in. But it's, it, I guess what I'm trying to say is the, the line of keeping him aggressive and being who he is and trying to cut down the turnovers will be a real challenge for Arians. But I think they could be a really good marriage together, too. I have hope. A couple of notes really quick about some rookies that are making noise in the NFL. Terry McLaurin, the rookie wide receiver, has been having rave reviews all camp for Washington. Uh, Not the only rookie wide receiver, Kelvin Harmon, doing some good things as well. Just such a great draft. I loved Washington's draft this year, and it's looking just as good or better than advertised. Consistently making plays, the speedy wide receiver out of Ohio State, Terry McLaurin, might be in line for a starting job in Washington. And then another rookie that has been a fixture with the first-team offense is TJ Hawkinson, the tight end in Detroit. What are your feelings on those two guys as rookies? I'll start with Hawkinson. I absolutely love him. I think he's going to be a great tight end. I think he'll make more of an impact than most rookie tight ends do. I'm sure Patricia looks at him with Gronk-colored goggles, thinking I can use him in a lot of those ways, and he'll help the run game, he'll help the pass game. I like the fit quite a bit, so I, I expect great things from him. The Washington receivers, a lot of us were really shocked that Harmon lasted as long as he did. He doesn't run super well. But a little bit of a radar kind of peaked up there. My ears peaked up a little bit that I was, after being around the Steelers so much, it's like, I wonder, because that's exactly what fans should want to hear. These two receivers are ready to step up. They're looking great as as rookies. And I like McLaren as well. He's also a really good special teamer. Um, But I also wonder, you know, is this something that the coaching staff or the people are feeding the media for optimistic reasons? Because that's exactly what they all should want. You know, it's almost like too good to be true. That's a great point. And I never really thought about that angle of the PR machine of the team trying to get that out there. And it's always nice when it's an independent observation from a writer, a well-respected analyst or someone who's on site and is watching a player play versus something where the coach is heaping praise on a guy because that's and it depends on the coach. Some coaches crush everybody and don't ever want to give the young guys yeah. uh, any credit. And, and sometimes it's the opposite where they're trying to prop a guy up and they want their fans to be excited about the picks they're making so uh, that's an interesting point there but two rookies that uh and and, you know offensive players you know tight ends even take longer than wide receivers a lot and it's hard for rookie wide receivers so it's it's a great sign just period for a guy for for a, a rookie wide receiver to be really even holding their head above water at this point in camp absolutely absolutely i mean they're all great signs those are people you want to be very involved washington needs every playmaker they can get but I will tell you back to the, the point I was making about, you know, where's the source and all those. I mean, a lot of those beat reporters, and so there's some great ones out there, don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of them 
that don't really know what they're looking at. They're not uh, talent evaluators. They kind of write what they hear and they, you know, some things on the surface, but they don't know um, who's looking good through the coach's eyes or I'm not sure if I'm explaining that right. No, that I, makes... mean, like, I mean, the reporters doesn't mean that they know who's, you know, emerging and whatnot necessarily. They report things. No, that makes perfect sense. And sometimes it's the flash plays. Some Maybe a, a mm-hmm. wide receiver's not even running the right routes properly or doing things correctly. Or, you know, maybe they're missing their assignments or, or blocking poorly. Or, you know, there's a lot of things that you need to be able to do. Uh, you know, pass protection for running backs, things like that, that maybe right. someone who's not trained to look for those specific things, doesn't see them, but they see a flash play where they're barely tackling a practice, seeing a running back run to the end zone a bunch or seeing a splash play where a wide receiver makes a one-handed catch, but he's also dropping the ball and and not doing well to separate and and not doing other things well. So you can get a lot of reports. And sometimes with the way the internet is and Twitter, you get one video of one highlight real play and everyone thinks a player is having an amazing camp when it might not be the case. Yeah, I mean, a receiver runs past a defensive back that's going to be an accountant for a living. Right. Well, that doesn't mean quite as much to me. All right, let's break here, get into our first segment of our MVP and breakout picks, starting with the AFC West. This episode is brought to you by Five Star Painting, a neighborly company. Five Star Painting is looking for new owners to join their growing company. Could this be the perfect opportunity for you? Are you driven? Do you have a heartbeat for to be an entrepreneur? If you're interested in running your own business, Text five star. That's all one word, all caps, to eight seven zero zero zero. Right now, and you'll learn a lot more. Choosing to start your business with five star painting means setting yourself up for success by surrounding yourself with the best in the business and the best at the business. With five star painting, you'll be your own boss, pick your own territory, set your own hours, and live a better quality life running a business that you can be proud of. You'll have access to the best resources to help you scale your landscape business and meet your personal and professional goals, and you will go home every day with the great satisfaction of helping your customers enhance and maintain the beauty of their homes. At five star paint, as a five-star painting owner, you will also be part of a greater neighborly community for home service brands. Neighborly has empowered more than 3,700 entrepreneurs to achieve their dreams and go th- and goals through local business and ownership. No one knows the home security industry better than Neighborly. Every year, nearly 1 million customers are proudly served by one of Neighborly's 22 award-winning brands, some of which include Mosquito Joe, Molly Maid, Glass Doctor, and Mr. Rooter. Folks, I've been basically an entrepreneur and running my own business to some degree for the last 15 years or so, working from home, making my own hours. I wouldn't have it any other way, and you get a chance to do that with Five Star. Whether you've been thinking about starting your own business or you're already running your own painting company, text 5STAR to 87000 to learn more about how a 5STAR painting franchise can help you get where you want to go faster than it's going on its on its own. So again, text 5STAR to 87000 to learn more about the neighborly brands that may be available in your area, and we thank them a great deal for sponsoring the podcast. I guess the Oakland Raiders is a great place to start. We've already dove in on them a little bit with Antonio Brown, and I'm excited to watch Hard Knocks and see how they come across there with John Gruden. And speaking of a player there in Oakland that could be maybe a dark horse MVP candidate, a lot of teams it's going to be a quarterback, but we're trying to you know peel away the layers here and find some other players to talk about. 
I would say that maybe the quarterback's not the most likely player to win MVP for the Oakland Raiders if they were somehow to have an MVP candidate. Uh, is it Antonio Brown for you? Is it somebody else? Yeah, and here's what my assignment was for Touchdown Wire. This is my first article for those guys. I mean, pumping out a lot of stuff for them. Uh, you guys might know who Doug Farrar is. He's been kind of in charge of it. He's, he does great work as well. Yes. And, you know, they, they said, give me th- uh, an MVP candidate for every, th- every one of the 32 teams. And I didn't want to make them super obvious and spit out 20 quarterbacks. You know I mean? Like, that's the the shortcut. That's easy. And it's probably the way it would go. I mean, if the Raiders were to go to the AFC Championship game, Derek Carr probably would be the MVP. You know what I mean? So I understand all that. But I was just looking at it, like you said, like outside the box a little bit. How could some things happen for somebody to really step up? And maybe the way I look at it is who would be the team MVP to a degree. Right. Um, Brown's awesome. I mean, he's still playing amazingly well. I just think that there's a lot of room for that train to go off the tracks. So I went with Josh Jacobs, the, the, the first round running back. And I know Kyler Murray's like far and away the leader in the clubhouse and odds for rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year. But as the second guy was a a little bit of a distant one, I I think I would put money on Jacobs. I think Gruden will love his all-around skill set. I bet he catches a lot of passes. His line's not bad. I think he's in for a really good year. Like He's going to end up on my fantasy team a lot. And speaking of quarterbacks winning the MVP award, you've got to go all the way back to 2012, Adrian Peterson with the Minnesota Vikings, uh, to have a non-quarterback who was an MVP, and then again it was five straight years and then a couple of running backs. So some positions just aren't going to get the love. And at this point, it's almost like we'll never see a non-quarterback win the MVP again with the way the league's going. Right. So, I mean, I understand that's how it works. So, I mean, I just didn't want to, you know, jot down 32 quarterback exactly and I love your angle of you know thinking of it more as a a team MVP as well and sometimes who Matt Williamson's team MVP might be different than you know the when the league as a whole and writers get together and think oh you know quarterback led team to Super Bowl that's the MVP and you might it might not actually be the case even for those who win MVP because there's a lot going into teams and so I like the pick of Josh Jacobs and he's kind of the breakout player and the the MVP candidate all in one there for the Raiders yeah, and one other breakout guy I would like to is Gary and Conley, the um, Ohio State corner from a couple of years ago, first round pick. Uh, he's been coming along really nicely. I think he could be a real breakout guy for them on defense. I'm going to throw out a name here for the breakout candidate, and it's fifth okay. round wide receiver Hunter Renfro, mm. which by all accounts has had a great camp, and the Oakland coaching staff loves him. He's actually seeing first team reps already. Speaking of uh, wide receivers that are that are making waves in camp, so we might actually see a guy who's out there when they go three wide. He's your slot receiver, and he's that mold of a player. So uh, I'm going to throw Hunter. Hunter Renfro is a name out there for the Raiders. I like it. I mean, Tyrell Williams is only going to be an outside the numbers guy. Brown can do everything. There's room for a slot guy there to contribute. And Derek Carr is not a guy that likes to hold the ball a long time. Get it out. A quick hitting slot option could make a lot of sense as a breakout guy. Let's move on to the Denver Broncos. Who do you like there? Not Flacco, I know that. <laughs> yeah, I'm really low on their on their offense. But my breakout guy might be Royce Freeman. I think he's going to be – I think he'll lead the team in rushing and will be yeah, – he, he was injured much of last year. I think he's going to be uh, – he, he, contrary to popular belief, was not a disappointment last year. Just yeah, I think he'll you know challenge Lindsey heavy and maybe be the, the, the lead back before too long. My MVP guy, though, was Vaughn Miller and – I guess it's kind of an obvious one, too, just because he's clearly their best player. 
I just think if they're going to have a successful season, the defense is going to have to be dominant and their dominant defender is going to have to play at a defensive MVP type of level. And he's obviously very capable. Yeah, I I would guess that the MVP of that team comes from the defensive side of the ball. There is a couple of second-year wide receivers that I would like to take a big jump this year and be potential breakout candidates. But looking at the rookie class, the player I like the most here, and of course, you know, dynamic tight end in Noah Fant, but Dalton Reisner, the second-round tackle out of Kansas State, he's not going to get press clippings. You know, he's not going to get any love in any voting. He's not going to be Offensive Rookie of the Year or anything like that. But I, th- I see a solid long-term player that could play guard forever in the league, could play right tackle forever in the league, just a, a lunch pail type of a player, an old-school guy that I think coaches are going to love who probably will go underappreciated. But I, I got to give some love to Dalton Reisner so we're not talking about all skill position guys here on, on today's show. Good one. And uh, you mentioned the young receivers. I think Deshaun Hamilton might lead the, the team in receptions. Oh, really? Over Cortland Sutton? Yeah, yeah. I think he'll be more of the high target guy where Sutton will be more the big play player. Okay. How about the Los Angeles chargers? Where are you looking for an MVP candidate there? Obviously I think Phillip rivers, if they make waves would be the odds on favorite to be an MVP type player. And he's put up MVP caliber seasons in the past, but who do you like there? Yeah. And I avoided the obvious one with rivers. Um, Gordon's holding out. Allen's great. I mean, they have other things on offense. I went with Joey Bosa, and I thought about Derwin James as well. Um, I just think Bosa, he – I think basically what I wrote up is, don't be shocked if he leads the league in sacks this year. I mean, he's that good when he's on the field and doesn't quite get lumped into the, I'm an elite, elite defender. But I think this year we all realize he is. That's a great pick, and we'll get to his brother, I think, momentarily when we get to the NFC West. Looking at the draft class for the Chargers this year – by the way, Allen is, is might be my favorite wide receiver in the NFL right now. He doesn't get sure. the love that he deserves. Keenan, Keenan Allen is so good, can get open with anybody, uh, can play outside. He's so good out of the slot, almost undefendable, uh, pure hands, toughness over the middle. I really love, and I, I like that he's been able to, to sort of change the direction of his career. He was banged up a lot, hurt a lot for a short period of time, and now he's been able to to fight through that and get back and stay healthy for full seasons and put up big numbers. So I love me some Keenan Allen, but looking at the the draft class here, I would, I mean, we, we talked before about developing a quarterback behind Phillip Rivers. They did draft a fifth rounder out of North Dakota State and Easton Stick, and I don't have huge hopes for him being that guy for them eventually. But I do love Nasir Adderley, who I think was a bit of a steal late second round for them, a free safety type out of Delaware. And to pair him with Derwin James there, that is a potential long-term dynamic uh, pair of safeties. And I really like the fit with Nasir Adderley's ability and ball skills in center field with Derwin James, who can play more around the line. Yeah, that's a great one. I mean, I have a feeling that if you and I are doing this podcast exactly two years from now and we ask and, and are asked, who's the best set of safeties in the NFL? I bet we'll say, oh, the Chargers, obviously. <laughs> right. No. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I would not be surprised at all by that development. Let's finish this off in the AFC West with the team who's favored to be the best team and win that division in the Kansas City Chiefs. This is, I mean, Pat Mahomes, team MVP, league MVP, doing things in his second year that we've never seen. Yeah, and there were a couple of these teams where I did take the low-hanging fruit because it's just so low-hanging, and I couldn't even 
create a fictional story where anyone besides Mahomes could be the MVP in Kansas City. Doesn't mean they don't have great players. I mean, Tyree Kill, Kelsey, but those guys all kind of cancel each other out. Um, there was a couple teams where the real obvious guys, I wrote them up as, hey, it almost has to be. And um, But uh, what I said in the write-up was, don't be shocked, though, if he's even better this year. Because, uh, I mean, he made some mistakes he got away with last year. Maybe he makes fewer mistakes. There's a couple of rookies from this uh, Kansas City rookie class in 2019. Obviously, Miko Hardman's not going to have the role that some people thought he might just because, you know, he's sort of Tyreek Hill insurance. And so he's going to take a back seat now, most likely for most of his rookie season. But a guy taking just a couple picks out of Nasir Adderley, another super athletic center field type in Juan Thornhill out of Virginia. He's been getting rave reviews from Kansas City camp. I love that pick. And the real dark horse from the College of Western Illinois that I can't think of another NFL prospect that ever came out of Western Illinois. Matt, you might have a better knowledge of that school than I do. But Kalen Saunders, a super athletic defensive tackle that can do backflips at 300 pounds, just stout nose tackle type that has movement skills. I love him, and I think that's a starting player that they drafted late in the third round. Those are two good ones. I mean, Thornhill's really good for today's NFL Highly athletic, highly versatile. I think he can play man coverage against athletic tight ends before long. Isn't the liability against the run, line him up all over the place. It's funny, Saunders was a guy I talked a lot in pre-snap or pre-draft and compared him a lot to uh, Javon Hargrave that plays here in Pittsburgh. Is just an athletic but a nose tackle body. Ooh, hadn't thought of that one. That's a great comp, and I loved Hargrave coming out of school. That's an awesome comparison for Saunders. Let's take a quick break here and jump into the NFC West. All right, I'm a 49ers guy. I do host Locked On 49ers, and uh, I've been paying very close attention, as I should, to 49ers camp. And so I have some picks for players who uh, are standing out in camp, some younger guys who could take that step this year, and maybe some players who we thought might be and maybe won't be. But I'd like to hear your team MVP picks. Yeah, I I picked Kittle, and I understand tight ends don't ever win the MVP, of course. But basically what I said is maybe last year was just the tip of the iceberg and year one of an amazing um, best tight end in the the league type of of run. That wouldn't shock me at all. Um, I didn't see another one that jumped off the page to me. I thought about Bosa. I think the front seven has a lot of ability. I love Buckner. But writing up an MVP candidate was a little tough there. I also think Tevin Coleman's going to have a huge year, too. I love the the George Kittle call. And, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo has a chance to really make that jump and have a chance to yeah. start 16 games in a season in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And to me, it's all about the red zone for both those players, Garoppolo and George Kittle, because Kittle had 1,300-plus yards last year, set the record for receiving yards for a tight end, and he only scored five touchdowns. So he could have even a bigger impact this year and – he could be targeted even more than he was last year. Uh, he could be targeted more down the field because he made a lot of short plays into long plays with his uh, run after catch ability. So he could be hit more when Jimmy Garoppolo's throwing the ball to him instead of CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins and, and get hit for more 10 plus yard uh, pass plays and hit the seam a little bit more often and, and maybe get in the end zone a little bit more often. So there is potential for more as crazy of a season as George Kittle had last year. And so I like that pick. But looking at the 49ers draft class and all reports out of Santa Clara where the 49ers uh, home base is, Nick Bosa is not only as advertised as the number two overall pick, but he's been 
just ridiculous. Uh, he's been as good as the 49ers could have hoped for. Just hit the ground running. He's beating Joe Staley. He's beating Mike McGlinchey. He's beating whoever they're putting in front of him. And I talked on Locked On 49ers with Matt Barrows, who's the 49ers beat writer for The Athletic, and he said this is the best camp he's seen for a rookie going back to the Alden Smith, Patrick Willis days. Wow. Wow. I mean, I guess I'm not shocked by that, but wow, you said a mouthful. <laughs> I mean, we kind of heard the same thing about Big Brother a couple of years ago. I mean, uh, you looked at Bosa coming out of school and thought, wow, he's extremely NFL ready. There's a really strong case that he's the best player in this draft. So that's great to hear. I mean, I'm certainly rooting for him, but wow, you did say a mouthful. And one guy who is not impressing in 49ers camp, who's a player that is expected to be this huge breakout candidate in 2019 is second-year wide receiver Dante Pettis and coming along slow in his second year, so it's a little bit of a disappointment there. But to end on a positive note, on the other side of the ball, Fred Warner, second-year linebacker, uh, just steady and, and a stud player getting no recognition around the league. He's going to be a very good player long-term in the middle of that 49ers defense. Yeah, good stuff there. I'm a big Warner fan. Um, I still have a lot of hope for Pettis. Didn't see that coming, but it's probably just a blip on the radar. Arizona Cardinals, who do you like there? The young rookie quarterback? Are they going to spread it out and just wing it all over the field under Cliff Kingsbury? Or do you think David Johnson has a chance to do big things in this offense? I think they're going to have a really hard time running the ball because the line isn't great. But I I said in my write-up, I think David Johnson catches 100 passes, maybe more and is clearly the best player on a, on a dynamic, fun offense, I think he could have a monster year. And you and I talk fantasy sometimes. There's the big four running backs that are going pretty much one, two, three, four in every fantasy draft. But if I have the fifth pick, I think I'm taking David Johnson. Oh, wow. I like that. And yeah, the targets he could get in that offense. And this offense is going to go from being the team that ran, I think, either the fewest or second fewest plays in the NFL last year to being the team that runs the most plays in the NFL this year. And the question I have for Kyler Murray is if things are going bad and this thing doesn't work out too well, which definitely could happen with that offensive line and just teams knowing they're going to throw the ball all the time, is Kyler Murray even upright anymore at the end of the year? So I would worry about that. But David Johnson, I love for that ability. You just mentioned him catching the ball out of the backfield. If they're going to be throwing it a ton, that's the way to slow down that rush is to dump it off to him. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And as a breakout young guy, I really like Byron Murphy. He's going to get thrown to the fire, especially with Peterson being suspended at corner. I, I thought he was a high-quality dude. I watched him a lot with thoughts that he might be the Steelers' pick at 20, uh, more zone than man, but a high-quality player. I think he's a safe pick that should be a long-term starter for them. And Christian Kirk, I think, too, second-year guy, oh, yeah. should have a, an opportunity to – to make a lot of uh, noise here in the NFL in his second season. Let's move on to the Seattle Seahawks. We've got Russ Wilson, who would be my overwhelming choice, but there's still some good players on that team that, uh, that are veterans that, um, that are among the best in the league. And this was a hard one for me for in terms of MVP. I mean, I easily could have picked Wilson, but I was avoiding that at all costs. I didn't see another member of the offense that I think is going to be, you know, star, star level. So I went with Bobby Wagner just to kind of remind people that if it isn't for Luke Keekley, this is the best linebacker of this generation. He's in the conversation for best player disposition already, you know, still uh, playing at extremely high level. I mean, they went on from so many of those Legion of Boom and defensive linemen from there, but they kept Wagner and his buddy KJ Wright. 
and he's the total quarterback. He's the Russell Wilson of the defense. I think he's a great one, but I'm not big on that roster overall. For the breakout guy, and I don't know, I, I can't remember where you were on DK Metcalf. I think you weren't as high on him as some people. I loved him. I thought he was wide receiver one in this class just because of what he could give you even if he didn't develop a ton with the rest of his route tree and you know he's obviously a very tightly wound straight line-ish athlete but he's such a beast and all reports are very glowing out of DK Metcalf's rookie camp so I love him in year one do you like any breakout candidates there I think that's a good one I don't love Collier their first round pick I didn't love Metcalf coming out but I love his landing spot. And I think Carroll will use him really, really well. He'll help in the run game as a massive you know, wide receiver blocker. But more importantly, I think you're going to see run, run, bomb. You know, I mean, I think they're going to ask him to run deep, and he does that exceptionally well. Wilson might be the best deep passer in the entire league. So I, I like the fit of how Seattle will use Metcalf. And he has great strengths, and they're going to rely on those great strengths. That brings us to... The Los Angeles Rams, who were in the Super Bowl last year, are favorites to win this division, and they have the best defender in the NFL. Yeah, and he was my pick. I mean, hail to pit. But I also just said Donald <laughs> is the best player on the planet. Um, so how can I not pick him? I mean, he's phenomenal. Um, my breakout guy is probably someone people might not even know of. I think he was their third-round pick last year, Joseph Noteboom. Really athletic offensive lineman that fits the scheme. You know, they moved on from a couple linemen. They're shuffling around a little bit. Uh, Saffold left. I think Noteboom has a chance to be a household name before long, too, as a, a kind of a breakout young guy. I really liked, actually, Seattle's draft here in 2019. And Taylor Rapp has a chance to play early. And they're sort of on the fly trying to replace some of the veterans because, you know, they paid a lot of veterans early on in this uh, rebuild and now they have some young players they have to start filtering in. But the guy, if if Todd Gurley's knee goes south, then Daryl Henderson's that guy, and he's that league winner fantasy football type of a player. And I don't really like doing the handcuff thing, but uh, he's explosive, and I really love me some Daryl Henderson. And he could still be a part of that offense even with Gurley in there. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Is If you remember, McVay came from Washington, and I think at a minimum – Henderson is Chris Thompson, but a bigger, stronger version of him. So I think he'll factor in quite a bit. I also think that McVeigh, after that Super Bowl and Belichick, quote, figured him out, was pulling his hair out and realized that was the one component that he was kind of missing, and as well as a little more tight end involvement. So I could see a receiving back slash Gerald Everett's role both growing and breaking out to some degree. We're out of time here, Matt. It's always fun. Time goes so fast. Everybody, make sure you tune in again tomorrow. We've got Mike Sando coming back in his regular Thursday slot right here, Locked on NFL.